0: the message tonight from mountains to valleys, from mountains to valleys. Faith and patience, is, you're going to find in the scriptures, and you've seen it, uh, just a wee bit of a ring on this one here. Um, you'll find that faith and patience are very difficult to separate from one, from one to the other. You're going to find those two are often within the same context of a verse. I mean, you'll see those two words separated, but they, they do work together. Faith and patience. Uh, faith worketh patience, and patience worketh faith. You can't, you can't go through trials without patience, and you can't go through it without faith. You, you have to, They have to work together, growing each other in our lives. Uh, let's see. Let's start at verse number 1 of James, chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren... Not one of our favorite verses of the Bible, right? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord a double-minded man a man is unstable in all his ways father bless down the message and i pray father that you take us a, a step forward in this area of understanding the nature of life in general and father as believers understanding the way it all works together for our good. Bless now to our benefit and our our encouragement, and Father, also uh, to make us more patient in the future. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. We find in the Bible the poster child of patience and faith, a man by the name of Job. It's such an extreme circumstance so that we can't relate to it lost everything that he had financially, very wealthy man, the most blessed man there was on the earth, a very, very faithful man to the Lord, offered sacrifices literally for his children and prayed for his children lest that maybe they would have an evil thought. I mean, this was a diligent, diligent man. And yet we find that this man lost all of his wealth, all of his servants, all of his children, uh, the confidence of his wife, everything, his own physical... A body was covered with boils. His friends could have nothing good to say to him and just challenged his, his truthfulness, challenged his faith, uh, made him out to be somebody that was, was just a complete farce of a good man. All of this has been taken from the most blessed man probably on the earth at that time. The book of Job is believed to be the the first and the oldest book in the Bible and written, perhaps, we believe to be first. So we have this great example of Job. This is maybe one of the most needful books in the Bible. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are. I doubt there's ever anyone that has experienced what this man has experienced in one day ever. I think that's why this man was perhaps the first book written because we have now for the generations looked to this man as the poster child of how you make it through and don't lose your faith and stay patient through it all. He would not, Bible talks about his integrity, would not lose his integrity for the Lord. And so we have always this man to look at what a great man he was, Greatest of all men in the east, the Bible says, blessed by God more than any other. Attacked by Satan, head on. Satan had free reign at him. I don't know that that's that's happened again, but this this man suffered from Satan's hand. God allowed him to punish him in such ways that none of us could imagine. Suffered the loss of everything. When we come to the end of the book, sometimes I, I just recently was reading through the book of Job and Honestly, I, I found myself, Dan, I had to jump to the end of the story a couple of times to get some relief. Because it's just, it's just so, so when you're reading, it's a, it's a lengthy book of the Bible. And it's just the exchange with his friends is just, honestly, it's depressing. And it just, you have to jump to the, to the end of the story and say, okay, it's going to be okay. Go back to chapter 30, right? But it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard story to read. And then his friends challenging him is, is, is no relief. We see this man, Abraham, a man that we know that is full of faith, leaves his homeland. God tells him to, to just go and he'll show him where he's going. He, he doesn't even know where he's going. We find once he gets there that in fear, he lets the king take, take his wife. He lies and says it's his sister. And so we find this great man of faith as we watch him, as he falters in fear, certainly a bad time in his life. He's a hero once again, and he saves Lot and his family, restores all their goods, and literally saves the entire city, brings everybody back safely, and all their stuff, the Bible says. I think it literally uses the word stuff in the Bible. So it's a good word. So he's a hero, pleases God, meets Melchizedek. That's where we see the first time that somebody has given 10% to the Lord. Blessed by God spiritually and financially, in every way this man is blessed. Father in the nation of Israel, of course, Father Faithful Abraham. We would call him. He's in the Hall of Faith, great man. But we look at this recently; have studied it uh, greatly as we went in, in the Book of Genesis in the adult class. But the the valley of walking your son up the mountain, knowing that you're going to take his life, is a, a valley that I. I can imagine was just gut-wrenching for this man in obedience to the Lord and Isaac going up and, and just a very, I can imagine a very difficult time to see Lot lose his family in Sodom and Gomorrah and then all the things that happened to Lot after that with his daughters and just, just unbelievable things that happened in this, in this man, Lot. And I think we would all agree that Abraham no doubt loved Lot maybe not as a son, but very, very close. It was his nephew. He left the land of Ur with him and was with him all the time. And I think I believe they were very close. Of course, they parted company as their herds and, and their hired, hired men were, were fighting over pasture land, and they separate. But we see Abra- Abraham as a great man of God, but certainly not a man that was not without heartache in his life. We see this man, Moses. I, I don't know how anybody could sustain what Moses sustained. Of course, a blessed man, a a, a man that God used greatly. Oh, but my goodness, 40 years with the children of Israel in the wilderness. What a valley that was for this man, this great man. Probably, Dr. Hiles used to say perhaps the greatest leader in the Bible and maybe the greatest leader of all time to have led the children of Israel out of Egypt and then sustained them and and led them through the... the, um, the wilderness, all those 40 years and to see, can you imagine all these people are gonna die in the wilderness except those that are 20, 20 and down when they arrived. So you're seeing a lot of death, You're just a lot of despair. And this is, the, this is literally the dead end for the most of the people. And they're literally going, their days are literally numbered and they're going to die. And yet this man Moses stands up strong for the Lord in leading the people, guiding the people through this very perilous time in the nation of Israel in their beginning days. Because of their unbelief, we see my um, pastor, of many years, born into a drunkard's home, um, extreme poverty, gifted man, but saw his mother just uh, beaten relentlessly by her husband, who was a drunkard. Eventually, left them and um, just lived in deep, deep poverty before days when you got a check from the government. And uh, she worked for 50 cents a day at the local school in the cafeteria, barely getting by. Just very, very hard times in his childhood, seeing just disastrous things in his home for he and his sister. He became pastor of the world's largest Sunday school Voted out of the Southern Baptist Convention at great heartache. He had an uncle that literally was a very um, influential man in the Southern Baptist Convention. Just begged him not to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. You had to understand. You're from Texas. It's the fastest growing church in the in the Southern Baptist Convention. I would tell you he was the poster child, the up and coming. But they started veering away in doctrine, and uh, to his dismay, at the convention they voted him out of the convention at the Southern Baptist Convention. It was all he'd ever known. We look back at the story and say, man, that's great, man, they voted him out of the convention, but that was, heart, that was heartbreaking for him. That's, that's all he had ever known before. Of course, I went to the Southern Baptist colleges and so on back in the day, but as they veered away from the blood of Christ and things of those nature back then, I think they veered back, but uh, during those times, men like Dr. Rice, Frank Norris, those men stood up against it and found themselves um, ousted from all those things that they had been in all of their lives. uh, Just many, many hard times in his life, yet God used him in a powerful way. And um, what a beloved pastor he was, a lover of people and generous as could be, and um, had an impact on our country. Traveled every Monday and Tuesday, always every Monday, Tuesday, believed that he just had to preach somewhere every week to try to save America. And I tell you, he had an impact. He had an impact. Our country has slipped volumes. I'm not crediting with him keeping it, but I'm not discrediting him either. Only the Lord knows, but I think had a tremendous impact. But so many ups and downs and attacks and things that he would go through, I remember the the weeks and weeks of him preaching series series of messages on the clouds are coming. I was a young man and thinking, man, why all the cloudy sermons every week? But they came and they were they were they were they were storms. They were storms of life that he could see coming. Great heartache to him and great great damage to the church. The ups and downs, fastest growing church, largest church, largest Sunday school in the world. But folks, nobody escapes this thing without the ups and downs of life. It's just the nature of it. It's not just for Christians, it's just for all of us. But we see these great men of the Bible that we would so learn so many lessons from and powerful leaders that we know that have suffered greatly, that God has used mightily it almost seems like it's the nature of God to, to bring the patience and the sufferings, the afflictions in order to grow men to be able to do the things that God needs them to do. Because these things, as these come into men's life and they suffer, what happens is they grow in faith, they grow in patience, and what happens? God can use them in powerful ways, but not, not without the things that must come into lives. All these heroes rose to mountain peaks and often were dropped into the valleys very deep. We uh, look at men that have suffered, but understand that the joy and the thrill of the Christian life will come with valleys as well. The Psalm 88, you can read that Psalm and you will find it to be a very dark place. As it's written, the entire psalm is just, you get over Psalm 91, and boy, all the blessings and joy of Psalm 91. I don't think it matters whether you're a Christian or even a non-Christian. Life will bring the ups and downs, the ebb and flow of life. It's the nature of it. I think, though, when God prepares men and people for ministry, sometimes we find that they, they suffer. Great blessing and great Tribulation in proportion. Prosperity and success rarely produce patience and faith. We could all agree that this is a prosperous nation. Amen? Uh, Talking with Brother Amir was, even having been out of the country, and, 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 and many of you folks have been, and you see the third world countries, even having seen that to talk to brother Amir was another level of, of just patience and faith. Another level of Christianity that um, to me was still out of reach, man that lives every day of his life with a realization that he could be killed and yet doesn't really, doesn't really seem to worry about it don it's quite remarkable to me i would i would think that would be kind of worrisome <clears throat> but what has happened patience and faith have been built in the man over years and so he goes through life i would say quite normally why because god's built his faith over the years has bad things happened, sure i've never seen the man without a smile on his face it's just He's got a beautiful smile to start with, but he's always got a smile on his face. Wife going through uh, a tumor uh, in, her, in, her, in her brain and um, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't break the smile from his face. It's an amazing thing to see what God can do in a life, but it takes some building. If we look at our service men as they go into basic training I was talking to Matt Lapina when he was here, and he had served in the military. Uh, after he was married, he, he went into the military for his span and was, was deployed, and, but he was t- talking to me about the things that they do in basic training, and it's just, it's just, they just push you. They get you up in the middle of the night. They, they make you do without water. They make you do without food. Just constantly, just randomly doing things that are gonna push you harder and harder are they doing that to just be an annoyance to you? Is that the purpose of it? Is it just, let's, hey, hey, let's get these guys up at 2 a.m. Let's make them go run for two miles. And then come back, let them sleep for a half an hour, and then go in and wake them up again. That'll be awesome. Let's do that one tonight, okay? No, I, I would venture to say that the guys that got to get up with them and go out there with them aren't real excited about it either. Amen to that, but why are they doing that? Because the, they need these young men pushed to the limits over and over and over and over again, why? Because of the purpose of which they have been brought into the military, why? So they could protect our nation, so that they could be up hours on end and find it within themselves to keep fighting. not quit it's it's a grueling process to put a soldier together to fight the fight to be ready to 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 give his life can you imagine the world war ii it's just it's almost and, and we go back to the civil war but just ordering men into battles that were just you knew that probably the majority of them would be killed but you had to take a mountain you had to take a hill you had to take a beach All these things are going on, but these soldiers have been prepared for this to obey these orders, no matter how impossible the mission is to go forward. We look at that in our military, and sometimes we look at ourselves as believers, and we think, God, this life is hard. We're we're sitting in a nice place, heated, cooled, in the wealthiest country in the world, the highest... highest, um, uh, the way we live, I can't think of the, the word I'm looking for, but standard of living that we have for a nation of our size, there, there's nothing like it. There's some smaller nations that are seen to be as more wealthy than us. But as far as average people living like we do, there's nothing like America. You talk to people outside the country that when you go there, they're just, their dream is to come to America. It's like coming to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the Lord's army and God has a mission for us to do. And we don't know what our young, our, our young children are going to face. We can, I mean, let's just face it. The, to say the country has drifted away from truth and right is an understatement. And what do the young people are going to face? You say, pastor, why are you, why are you talking about these things? Because young people, you, you're probably going to face things that, that my generation will not face. And I don't want you to think it, that you're going to have the same. I hate to put it this way. It's not been a free ride for any of us, and we've been tried in a variety of different ways. So God has God has tried us, but yours is going to be a different route, probably. I don't I don't think you'll probably make it through your life without being strong in faith, without patience to to strengthen the faith. Those two working together. So I. I I need you to understand that I'm not trying to discourage you in life, but as a believer, you may be the ones that have to, to fight it out far more than us. My generation is—I mean, I'm not—I'm not on my last leg, but by, by any stretch of the imagination, I feel good. I needed to pay. Other than that, though, I'm in good shape. I'm not the only one in the room, though. I get to heaven, I'm going to look like Tyler. That's, <laughs> gonna have me a head of hair. Uh, maybe. Maybe everybody's bald in heaven, right? Me and Matt are gonna be stars. Uh, prosperity and success rarely produce patience and faith. And we're in a nation of prosperity and success, we are the poster children of it. And likely our faith is not like Amir's. It's probably not like Sammy's. It's not like the other missionaries that, that we've sent over the field. Why? Because we're not in their situations. We're not, we're, not, we're not driven every day of our life to try to figure out if we're going to make it through the day without God. Somebody said, we feel sorry for you in America I forget who said this, but I re- heard it recently. We kind of feel sorry for you. It was a country that was really hurting for food. And they said, well, why would you feel sorry for us? Because, because you never have to pray for anything. You just already, you automatically have it. And we have to pray every day just to eat. And so we just kind of feel bad for you that you don't have the faith in God like we do because you don't, you don't have to do that. That's, that's the way, is that true? I mean, how many of us pray that God would give us food today? Probably not too many. We thank the Lord for it. But we weren't, you didn't get up this morning saying, God, please please supply the need of food today. And many people around the world did. What are they? People of faith. So let's be prepared, folks. We don't know what's going to come into any life. Every life will be challenged. But don't think that that is some obscure thing that, that would come to your life because God is preparing all of us to serve him in a variety of ways. We don't know what the next generation holds, but we do know that these are things that we must be ready for. We are from a in God we trust nation to a nation of rebellion and rejection of that very God that we trusted in. Jealousy, envy, theft, hatred, murders, abortions. All these are the commonalities now in our country The valleys of life will produce faith in your life. The Bible said, we read it, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is defined as this, is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity. This was the patience of Job. That's from the Webster's Dictionary of 1828. It defined many Bible words. We're soldiers of the cross. We have, we have had a very posh life. If that, if that does not continue in the same style, I believe church that these young people will stand strong when the time comes. If it's in their generation, I hope it's not. I have children and grandchildren, right? I hope it's not. But at the same time, May we look at what God is doing in lives and in preparing, calling people. You may think you had a hard life before you got saved, but you might be the one that's the most prepared for hard times. Knowing this is the trying of our faith, worketh patience. Faith is built through suffering. There's no, not many other ways that you're going to get strong faith without it. It said in verse four, but but, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and mature, entire, complete, wanting nothing. That's what we need to be as believers. The ebb and flow of the Christian life is going to come. I, uh, back in the cassette tape days and made that cassette tape after, after the accident in our place. And I call it from mountains to valleys. Jimmy, that's been a long time ago. Young people, can I listen very carefully? I'm never going to write one. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that the Lord, may, ta- Lord may, may take me up on it. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean that. I'm not planning to write anything. <laughs> but I would say that valleys are mountains. It doesn't look like it, but God makes it that way. That's why it's so important to be a Christian because God can take those things and he can take those things and make them right in your life and you see his purpose and plan. Don't ever ever underestimate a trial in your life or what God's doing. Don't run from it, don't flee from it, stay faithful. It's not without purpose. Suffering is not without purpose. God is doing something with it. We don't know what God's going to do in your generation. So when it comes, read the book of James. Asking in faith. All these things that are building. When I see these folks from outside the country in the strength of faith, it's come because they have suffered and they've been patient through it. And God is using these national pastors and missionaries in a variety of amazing ways. And honestly, there's just literally thousands of people that are being saved as a result of it. We're in a hard, stiff-necked country and their, their, their hearts are against the Lord. They're, they're, honestly, the evil that's in our country is just something that, we, that honestly, we didn't even understand. Talked to Sammy yesterday. I mean, they had 90 soul winners out. They've had just hundreds and hundreds of people saved this year. The church is, is, the the building program that just, we sent money down to expand on is, it's no longer any good. They're they're busting out at the seams. And uh, planning to buy more property and build a 700-seat auditorium. we don't have that problem but we have a country now that has turned their heart away from the Lord praise the Lord for the missionaries and thankfully we're able to support many missionaries and God's doing a great work on the mission field but it's a shame that here we are in the in the land of so much plenty that we have no gratitude for our Lord and, and now we've become what we think is self-sufficient Christians, let's not fall into the ease and the luxuries of our country as as in our faith. When a trial comes your way, take the trial, suffer with the trial, but understand that God is working in your life and he's building you and you can't get there without it. You can't, you have to be tried. Tyler, you've been some tough things early in life but you're tougher than most of us because we didn't it's a variety of ways you can look at the liabilities of it but god may look at the assets of it we don't know what god's plan is for any of us but don't think that anything that has happened in your life is not going to be used for the furtherance of the gospel because it will be apostle paul goodness gracious was a persecutor of christians (laughs) he's the apostle paul I mean, who would have thunk it as he's hunting them down and arresting them and, and such hatred and vile attitude towards the Christians just to stamp it out. And in a moment, his life has changed and turns the world upside down for Jesus Christ, the last guy you would have thought at the time. We don't know what did Paul say is for the furtherance of the gospel. And so it doesn't matter what comes into your life, what the trial is, understand it's, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's for God building in your life, strengthening you, making you what he needs you to be. Boy, I hope our country extends for many, 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 many generations to come as long as the Lord tarries that we are the bastion of the gospel and salvation. But young people, don't don't falter easily. Stand strong. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that it challenges us. Father, it's not despair. We have the Lord. We never go through these battles by ourselves. And Father, you bring us through these valleys of life, not without purpose, not without suffering, not without pain, but Father, the most important thing is they're not without purpose. And Father, as you prepare us for your work, to grow us in our faith, to grow us in patience, to make us meet for the master's use so that we can accomplish what you have brought us to salvation, to accomplish, Father. You did not bring us to salvation so we could sit in the lap of luxury. You brought us to salvation to get a job done to reach the world with the gospel. You've blessed us, Father. Thank you for the ability we have to be a blessing to other missionaries and many others around the world. We thank you for that opportunity and that privilege, but Father, may we also understand that with the many blessings that we have received, there is responsibilities that come with it. And I pray God that we would not shrink from the responsibilities that you've laid upon us as believers and blessed us so immeasurably but Father, that we would fail, if we're tested or tried, strengthen us in faith and patience. Thank you for the books of, book of James, Father, and the challenge it is to us. May we not find ourselves falling short. Bless now this invitation to thy honor and glory. Let's all stand together. Heads bowed and eyes.